messing with Brother Andrew right there. So Uriah was with me because he wanted to sing before the service. So I said, sure, I'll bring him up here. So he sang with me tonight for a couple of songs. I was messing with Brother Andrew. If most of you are not privy to the song sheets, he hands out. And uh, today's said January 22nd, Mother's Day. Yeah. And Dr. Fielder was preaching this morning, so I was, I was, I was highly confused today. Um, if you would grab your Bibles, Genesis chapter 4. Uh, I preached my sweet Mother's Day message this morning. And so I'm all out of sweet Mother's Day messages. Um, so Genesis chapter 4, we're not going to do Mother's Day anything uh, tonight, but... Uh, I hope it was a help to you this morning, though. And uh, Genesis chapter 4 is a highly familiar passage of Scripture, most likely, to most, if not everybody in the room. Uh, of course, you have Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. You have God creating the universe and ultimately ending with the creation of man and uh, creating Adam, of course, and then Eve, his wife, and uh, they have... Uh, no sin. They are innocent in their entirety. They have one command, right? Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, they fail in chapter 3. In chapter 3, the failure of mankind is highly evident. They have one choice and one command, and you can choose to do the right thing or not. It is very clear, cut, and dry. I mean, there's no question about it. They chose the wrong thing. Uh, they did it wrong. And because of that, Adam's fall is evident. Adam and Eve are in their transgression. They have sinned. Uh, and the command of go, go forth, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth uh, is continued. And they go into chapter 4. And in verse number 1, he says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of, the sheep, of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground, and now thou art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain 
Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Now we have ultimately the story, the, uh, the account of what happened between Cain and Abel. Now, uh, amazingly enough, these, these two men, of course, uh, are very interesting throughout the scriptures uh, that we just read. You have Abel and you have Cain. Now, Cain's the older one, uh, but they're, they're twins, they're twin brothers. And here they are, and the first comes, and uh, ultimately Cain is a very religious man. He brings a sacrifice. We find that the Lord doesn't accept it, and we find that that causes Cain great discomfort. Now, uh, we live in a world today where everybody wants to do things their own way. We all want to do things our way. The world wants to do it their way. And if you, uh, we now live in a society today where the idea is if you don't agree with the way that I'm doing it, then you really don't matter and we're going to cancel you and get rid of you. Uh, you either agree with me or I make you, try to make you look as bad as I possibly can for disagreeing with me. Uh, the idea that opinions are violence now and oppression and the exchange of ideas and free speech and free course is just so awful and terrible that you're hurting me. <laughs> That's the world mentality now. The world mentality now is if you disagree with me, then you have caused me violence. <laughs> it used to be in this country and it used to be a normal thought process that uh, if you disagree with somebody, you make your argument. And if they disagree, you agree to disagree and it's over with. <laughs> That's not it today. Today, you don't even get to make an argument. Today, the idea is, well, if you don't agree with me, then I'm just going to bury you. That's what's about to happen. Now, uh, I ultimately think that mentality goes all the way back to Cain. And I'll get to that here in just a moment. Uh, but Cain has some choices, and it's, he's got a lot of choices in this passage. And this past week we had Brother Fielder in and we heard a bunch of preaching and we every night, you know what you got? You got choices. Uh, you got choices, you get to choose what you're going to do with what you hear. Over and over again, uh, you'll spend all day long making choices. You chose to come back to service tonight. Uh, you chose to be here instead of doing whatever else you could possibly be doing. Uh, we choose what we were going to wear today. We chose what direction you were going to drive to get to church. You chose what you were eating for lunch today. You chose what you're having for dinner. You chose what you had for breakfast. You chose, you chose, you chose, you chose. We choose more times in a day than we can even imagine. We make choices that we don't even think about because we've just automatically chosen them. But there are some serious consequences that are made through the choices that ultimately Cain decides to make in this chapter. And I think it's some things we can learn from because oftentimes uh, one small compromise, one small change, and one small deviation, regardless of our intention, will then decide if we're going to continue down the road that we've decided to go down and go away from God or if we're going to make a change and do it the right way. Cain had every opportunity to do it right. He chose not to. Oftentimes, men have the opportunity to change the direction and the course of events in their life. They have an option to choose to go away from what they were going to do and change it. 
Repent of that direction. Change directions and move over. Oftentimes, men never make that change. They're too proud and they're too stubborn and they're too set and they're too decided already to make any type of a change. And tonight, I'm going to preach on Cain's catastrophic compromise. He made one choice and he stayed with it. And that choice ended in great catastrophe. And so let's have a word of prayer and we'll look at it tonight. Father, I do thank you for the night and I thank you for bringing us here safely. I pray, Father, that you would bless our night, work in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would help the Word of God work effectually tonight, that you'd help me just to say what you want me to say, nothing more and nothing less, that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up and that you would work in the hearts of the people listening. Father, I pray you would especially bless those that have come tonight, especially with it being Mother's Day, I pray that you would just bless them for taking time to be here, Father, and to spend time with your people, Father, and around the Word of God and trying to give you some worship and praise this evening. Lord, I do pray you would bless our night. We love you and we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, the first thing we see here in the chapter is uh, ultimately uh, in verses 3 and 4. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Uh, and evidently, he brings the wrong thing, right? Verse number four, Abel, he brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. Now, you can have all the conjecture you'd like. My guess is that fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice that Abel brought. You say, well, why do you think that? Because that is how God signified his acceptance throughout the Old Testament of a sacrifice. Uh, that's why those, those old prophets in the Old Testament would call fire down from heaven. To do what? To try and show that God was bringing forth and he was accepting of the sacrifice that they just gave. Now you say, is that, is that definite? Can you prove that? No, I can't prove that, all right? But I know that one of them knew they were accepted and one knew they weren't. I think it'd be pretty clear if he burned one up and he didn't burn up the other one. I think that'd be pretty evident, but I uh, could be wrong. But either way, both of these men know that Abel's sacrifice was okay and Cain's was not. So Cain is compromised here. Now, he may not even understand that he compromised. You know, he doesn't understand. I don't think Cain brought something wrong just to bring something wrong. Uh, you realize Cain is the one who brings it first. I think Cain was a very religious man in his eyes. I don't think Cain was a bad man at this particular moment. I mean, what kind of a bad man is just bringing an offering to the Lord unasked? The Lord didn't ask him for it. You don't see anywhere where the Lord said, hey, Cain, you got to bring me something. Instead, Cain goes, hey, you know what? I want to do something nice for God, so I'm going to do something here. So he brings a sacrifice, but he doesn't bring the right one. He doesn't bring what he was supposed to bring. I say, that's not fair. He doesn't know what to bring. But he knows that it's wrong the moment that it doesn't get taken. Now Abel shows up. And Abel shows up and he's got the firstling of his flock. He's got a little lamb there and he slits its throat and he goes ahead and puts it down and he goes and offers it and the Lord takes that. You know what you know? you know immediately what sacrifice God wanted. 
Now, Cain, he may have done everything the way he thought he should. He tried to do something right, but it wasn't the right thing. You know, many people in the world are religious and they try to do the right thing and they never get the right answer. I think Cain was serious. He was just seriously wrong. I think Cain was honestly pleased, trying to please God. He just didn't do it right. And religion and mentality and the thought process is, if I can do something right, God's got to take it. That's the mentality. The mentality is, if I just bring him something, he's got to take it. Because I gave it, so he has to accept it. I gave it my best. Micah chapter 6 is a wonderful spot. It's one of the reasons that I'm here. I don't want to misquote it, so I'm going to turn. Micah chapter 6, we're going straight back to, uh, to Genesis chapter 4, but he says this in verse number 6. Micah 6, 6, wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath showed the old man what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. You know, God oftentimes doesn't take what we think he should take. Samuel shows up and he shows up to Saul, king of Israel. And the king is supposed to have eliminated everybody. He's supposed to have eliminated everything. There's not supposed to be anything breathing except the nation of Israel there. And Samuel shows up and there's still Og king of Bashan and there's still all this cattle and there's still all these things that aren't supposed to be living are still living and breathing. Saul's answer is, well, we did that to sacrifice those things. Samuel's reply is, to obey is better than sacrifice. You can bring the best of the best of the best. And you know what God says? If you didn't obey what I told you to bring, it doesn't matter. A lost man oftentimes tries to put his good works out there and tries to hope for the best. And God, what's God going to do with that? He can't accept that. Say, why? Because the Bible says that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Even our goodness is tainted. Because we've got so much sin involved in our lives. We aren't clean and we're not holy and we're not just and we're not righteous. Every man tells a lie. Every man sins. Every man has fallen short. Every man. There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And you can try and bring your goodness and you can try and show off how great you are. But we already know God rejected that answer. It's pictured here in Cain. He brings the works of his hands. He brings his own goodness in and says, hey, God's got to take that. The Lord says, I don't have to take that. I don't have to take that. 
the Christian steps up and God says, hey, I'd like you to do this for me. And we say, well, I'll do something else. Can't I do something else? I don't want to do that. I was getting ready to uh, be called to preach. And many of you know, uh, I wanted to, I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to do this. This is a terrible plan, Lord. I don't want to do any of this. And my argument was, I'm really good with numbers. I'll go into accounting and I'll, I'll tithe, I'll go above and beyond. I'll just give. Couldn't I just give instead? Couldn't I, just, couldn't I just throw a lot more money to you as opposed to? I mean, that sounds good, right? But that's not what he wanted. Oftentimes, you know what Christians do? Well, God, I know you want me to be a witness. God, I know you want me to give that. And God, I know you want me to do that. God, I know you want me to say that. God, I know you want, but I don't want to do that. So let me find something else I can give you so that you take that in place of what you're asking me to do. That's the same thing Cain's doing. That's the religious man's answer. The religious man's answer is, God, I'm going to bribe you with whatever I can give you that I'm willing to give. But instead, you know what he'd rather have? He'd rather have obedience to what he asked you to give him. And he's looking and you know what Cain's done? He's compromised. He hasn't given the right thing. He sees Abel's sacrifice is taken. And now he's got a choice. Realize Cain has a pretty, pretty expensive choice right here. The choice is going to be real simple. Verse 5, Cain is very wroth, right? Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. He says, hey, Cain, you know what's, you know what's great about this? Cain's mad because he wasn't, right? He's angry. He's upset. You didn't take my stuff. I'm not good enough. What I did wasn't enough. How come you can't? And the Lord still shows up and talks to him. How kind and gracious of the Lord. For someone to go, I'm mad and how come you couldn't and why is it? And the Lord says, don't worry. Let's have a talk about that. He says, hey, I'll be reasonable if you'll be. Come let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they should be. I'm reasonable. We can go ahead and talk this out and fix this. Cain, there's an option for you. Cain, if you do well, won't you be accepted? Can't I accept what I told you to bring? You know what to bring. Will you bring it? You know what the sacrifice is supposed to be. Cain, you've got a choice. You know what's amazing to me is the long-suffering and the mercy of God. That's, jo that's Jonah's problem with God, wasn't it? <laughs> He's long-suffering to an entire city, and, God, and he says, I knew you were going to be. Why? Because I knew you were long-suffering, and 
You are a God of mercy, slow to anger and of great kindness. I knew you'd repent of the evil you'd do to those people just because they repented and turned to you. Strangely enough, you get to Revelation chapter 2 and there's that woman Jezebel in the church. And he says, and I gave her space to repent of her fornications. And she repented not. Therefore, now he's got to bring judgment. You know, God, God's waiting. He gives time for us to figure out that we're doing it wrong. He gives us time to figure out what to do to get it right. And then he waits to see if we'll even do it. That's long-suffering. He could be, he could be like that hard and austere man <laughs> that he was accused of. Well, I know you're a hard and an austere man and you reap what you don't sow. And, you, and he says, okay, well, if I'm a hard and austere man, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> but he's not. That's not who he wants to be. He wants to be merciful and he wants to be gracious and he wants to be long-suffering. So you know what he says? He says, hey, you know you gave me the wrong thing and I can't accept it. You know what the right thing is. How about you bring it to me? I'll give you time. Wow. <laughs> you know what it's hard to do? It's hard to be patient with someone. You saw your eye up here, right? He is hard to be patient with some days. Because he knows. He knows what I asked him to do. And he didn't do it. And you ask again to get, make sure he understood you. And you know he understood, but he didn't do. You say, what are you trying to do? He's two years old. I'm trying to be long-suffering. I'm trying to get him to correct before I have to correct. Isn't it wonderful the Lord is so much long, more long-suffering than you and I are? I mean, with a two-year-old, I'm ready to just go ahead and bring judgment. And the Lord says, yeah, but I'm long-suffering to you. I'm long-suffering to you. And you go, I really don't want to be long-suffering anymore. How quickly we're ready to go and the Lord says, yeah, but let me be merciful one more time. You still have time. There's still time for Cain to fix this. Right here, Cain still has time to fix it. There is nothing that has transpired that is against God. There's nothing that has transpired where God is angry and he's done. There's nothing where something is not good that can't be taken care of. God, see, you see where Cain is right here. He has not gone far enough away from God where he is in sin and transgression. I don't think it was a sin for him to bring the wrong sacrifice. I think he didn't know what to bring, so he brought something. I think it was great that he brought something. But now he's found out it's not good. We do, we do odd things when we just don't know. We do some strange things. Well, I just didn't know. You didn't know any better. But then you learn, and you know what you do? You fix what you were doing wrong. 
Cain has every opportunity right here to fix everything that's going wrong. You know what he does? God is so good to him, he gives him both options. He shows him the two options. He says, number one, verse number seven, if thou doest well. If you do it right, well then, what's the result? He gives him the option, then he tells him exactly what's going to happen. Shalt thou not be accepted? Hey, Cain, if you bring me what I asked for, what you know I can take, won't you be accepted? Well, he knows he would be. He knows he'd be accepted. The lost man, when he gets the gospel given to him and he knows that he is a sinner, that he doesn't deserve heaven, when he knows that Jesus Christ died for his sins and was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, when he recognizes the fact that without Jesus Christ saving him, he will not have eternal life, he now is at the spot of a choice where he gets to choose whether he's going to accept what God will accept or he's going to reject that. And he's going to continue to do it the way he wants to. And he won't be accepted if he continues the way that he wants to. But as soon as he takes Jesus Christ as a Savior, the answer is that he's accepted in the Beloved. <laughs> Acceptance happens immediately. He does not cast him off. He doesn't throw him away. Instead, he chooses to accept him and pull him in. Christian, when you and I are trying to do things and we're trying to go about the way we want to go about it and we don't bring the right thing, we choose to not bring the right thing, the Lord says, hey, that's not what I asked for. This is what I need and you know what I need. And if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Well, yeah, but I don't want to give him that. Well, then you won't be accepted. Then where does that take you to? That takes you to Romans chapter 12. Good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Interestingly enough, and you can feel free to disagree with me, I don't, I don't really care. Um, I look at that passage, and there are a lot of things that are good. Cain brought something, I think it was good, but it didn't get accepted. I think too many times Christians are living in the goodwill of God because they're just trying to do good. But they're not doing what God would accept from them. Because they know better. They're not acceptable. They haven't risen to the level of acceptable, so they're not even close to perfect. <laughs> you say, are those three separate things? Are they the same thing? I think they're three separate things. You can disagree. I don't hold a monopoly on what the Bible means. But man, I start reading that spot. You know what? Good, 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 good isn't always acceptable. Cornelius was a good man. Before he got saved, he was a good man. Wasn't accepted yet, but he was good. It's strange. The world looks at you, and you know what they say? As a lost man, they say, oh, I, don't, I don't need that. I'm good. Yeah, but they're not accepted. Christian, why is it that you feel the necessity to stay at good and never get accepted? Why don't you bring what's acceptable to him? Why don't you give him what he's actually asking for? You know what he's asking you to do. You know what change he's asking you to make. You know what he is expecting of you, but still you don't. 
because you're hoping to get by on good. But notice what he says. If thou doest well, that's part one, shalt thou not be accepted? Option two, and if thou doest not well, don't bring me what I'm asking for. Sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You realize that sin is waiting right outside the door. You walk up to the door and you got to walk out to go outside and you go to open the door and what's sitting right there? Sin. And you're either going to go ahead and choose it or we're going to close the door and go out a different way. You walk out the door of that choice and you know what you've done? You've sinned. By the way, when you know what God wants you to do and you refuse to do it and he gives you that little space to fix it and you decide you're not going to fix it, guess what? You have now sinned. You've transgressed against God. The choice that you have just made is now sin. You have now compromised, not just in the first time that you brought the sacrifice, you have now stepped into sin entirely and decided you were going to choose to go the wrong direction. You've gone against God. And it will lead you to catastrophe. It will lead you to complete destruction. Uh, sin goes ahead and puts this man in bondage. Sin goes ahead and puts everybody in bondage when they decide to choose it. They're holding with the cords of their sins. They go down, they go down, they go down. You see it over and over again. And the scriptures bear it out over and over and over again. You see it in life over and over and over. You see it all over the place that what? That mankind, when they choose to go towards sin, you know what they will do? They won't stop at one. They won't stop at two. They won't stop at three. They'll bury themselves in a whole pile of sin. And Christian, you are no different. You are not exempt. When God has decided that you have a choice to make and you have to make the choice and you say, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go my way. I'm going to do it my way. Okay, fine. He lets you go. But he's already told you the consequences. He's already told you the consequences when you're going to go against him. And Cain's got those choices and he's lined up and he's sitting there. And you know what God says? He says, hey, you can choose to do it right and you'll be accepted or you can keep going the way you're going to go. And sin lieth at the door. And you're going to be in its, in, under its bondage here in just a moment. You're going to be under arrest from that thing. That thing's going to have control over you and it'll rule over you. And it'll be the thing that keeps you in bondage. The sad reality is Cain makes his choice immediately in verse number 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And here is Cain's catastrophe right here. You talk about a catastrophic end. Now this is crazy. I'm just going to make this nice and simple. There is an entire world, right? There's four people on it. Why is a murder happening? Just leave. Like, go anywhere. Like, go to Hawaii, man. Do something. Like, go relax. I don't know. 
Like find, a, find some place to be away from everybody else, I'm guessing. But instead he chooses to go to his brother and then to kill his brother. You talk about a terrible plan. You now have been rejected by God. You now have chosen to hear the consequences of your actions, whether good or bad consequences are about to happen. And now you have to choose. And the choice that you make is not even close to anything that should have been done. I mean, you talk about the idea that, okay, uh, I'm just, uh, just going to get things right and I'm going to do it right and then you can go and do it right. Or you could just go, I'm just going to stay the course and this is even off the course. This isn't even on the course anymore. Say, why is that? Cain's countenance had fallen and he was very wroth. He's too angry. His anger was brought on by jealousy. Jealousy is the rage of a man. That's the Bible says. He's jealous of Abel. And he sees Abel out in that field and you know what he decides? Well, if I'm not accepted, I'm going to make him unaccepted. <laughs> I'm going to take him out. And the jealousy and the anger and the rage and the... So what did he become? He became a servant to his sin. He could have repented. He could have fixed it. He could have made the sacrifice. He could have been accepted just like his brother was accepted. And he could have been fine. But instead he shows up and goes ahead and right on the money goes ahead and decides he's just going to kill his brother instead. You realize catastrophe is waiting at every doorway for you? There's sin waiting. You say, I've gotten, I've gotten away with it before. Oh, I, I, I can outrun it for a while. Amazingly enough, the revenger of blood, you get there in numbers. You get the cities of refuge, and the cities of refuge are there, of course, and they're Ultimately, you're, if you're a manslayer, if you've killed someone unawares, he says, somebody who, uh, you know, he didn't mean to kill him, somebody died, but, you know, family members get a little bit upset at you when you kill their family members, right? Someone died on accident, accident occurred, man dies, family wants to kill you because you caused it. So God says, okay, run to one of the cities of refuge, and when you get there, the high priest will decide what is happened and we're going to judge and the judgment's going to come and if you're found innocent of murder you didn't go ahead and try and kill the guy uh, you can go ahead and stay in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest and then you'll be released but inside the walls of the city you are fully protected from the revenger of blood that guy's family can't do anything to you can't touch you you are safe and secure but if at any time you decide you want to leave the city of refuge, at any time you want to walk out all on your own, then the revenger of blood finds you outside the city, you're a dead man. And the city is not responsible for your death. And that man is not held accountable for your death. You decided to leave the place of protection. This is a great picture of Jesus Christ and the church. 
the high priest, Jesus Christ, goes ahead and you have killed somebody unawares. Jesus Christ, you killed him with your sin. You've crucified and slain him. And so God gives you a place of refuge. He gives you a city to come to. You show up at the high priest and he goes ahead and judges. And you choose Jesus Christ as your savior and he puts you in the safety of the city. And it's your choice whether you'll stay safe or not. It's your choice whether you'll be condemned or not. It's your choice whether the revenger of blood can get to you because he can't get to you inside the city. But as soon as you decide to step out there and get out from underneath the protection of God by getting out of his will and by doing it your way and living in sin and walking away, you know what? God is not responsible for the fact that the revenger of blood gets to you. That happens in Corinthians. Right? First Corinthians chapter 5, that man that committed sin that's not even named among the Gentiles. He goes ahead and they put him out of the church and he says, put him out of the church. Why? For the destruction of the body that his soul might be saved. Why? Because God doesn't need to protect him. Go ahead, put him out there. Let the devil kill him. Because he's chosen to do the things wrong and not get it right. So well, I've made it out before. That doesn't mean you get to come back. You know, too many times, too many times, we've heard the prodigal story come out. Too many times we've heard, well, you know, uh, if you're a prodigal, you can go and sow your wild oats and you can go out there and you can waste your substance and you can come back anytime. And the trouble with that is most people don't ever get back. You say, yeah, but I'm not going as far as them. That doesn't matter. As soon as you get outside the protection of God, why would it matter? It doesn't matter how far you go. That elder brother in that parable goes ahead and puts himself in a bad situation. Why? Because he makes the choice to leave the father's house of care by choosing just to let his heart wander. His feet stayed put. But his interests weren't the father's interests. We struggle because the reality is that when I would do good, evil is present with me. We struggle because in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. We struggle because we know that sin is waiting for an opportunity for our flesh to take over. And as soon as our flesh takes over and we gravitate to that sin and we take that sin, we already know we're in trouble. In this case, Cain kills his brother, and now we have an entirely new catastrophe. You get from verse 9 all the way down to verse 15. I won't read it again, sake of time. You read down that passage again, you know what you find? You find the Lord shows up and he asks him a great question. Where's Abel? Cain asks a terrible question. Am I my brother's keeper? The answer was obviously yes. Yes, you are. And the Lord says, you don't have to tell me. I already know, Cain. Isn't it funny how the Lord already knows and you still try to hide it? Isn't that strange? Why do we bother hiding it? 
when he already knows. But Cain tries to hide it. And the Lord says, what hast thou done? He reminds him the voice of his brother's blood cries from the ground and God has to bring judgment and he brings severe judgment to Cain. And Cain's statement is, my punishment is greater than I can bear. As a lost man without Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that your punishment is a lake of fire for all of eternity. I want you to know that's greater than you can bear. Without Jesus Christ saving you, your punishment is so severe, it will be more than you could ever bear. And the world says, well, you know, and religion says, well, you know, you can get out of that and you can make it around that. And, you know, you don't have to stay that long and you'll just suffer for a little while and then the Lord will take you out. As long as you suffer for a little bit, he'll get it. He'll get you out of there and we'll just light another candle in hopes that we can get you out and we can do this and we can do that. And, you know, soon enough, somebody will pray enough and you'll get out of there. I'll find one verse on that in the Bible. I do find that the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever. I do know it's a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. I know it's a place of eternal judgment and justice for a holy God to condemn a lost man. And he's worthy of it. But that's just because he won't, he won't take the right sacrifice. He won't take Jesus Christ as his Savior and the punishment will be greater than he could bear. You know, Christian, when you and I decide we're going to do things our way and we're going to compromise our, our sacrifice and we're not going to do what he asked us to do, look at verse 16. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. 1 John chapter 1, we all know the spot. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. We say we have no sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Say, so what's our problem? We lose the presence of the Lord. We lose his hand upon us. We lose his protections for us. We lose the blessings that he wants to give us. We lose the fellowship and the time we can spend with him. And we lose it all. And the sad truth is that most Christians don't even know that they've lost it. And they don't know that it's more than they really could bear. You know, not being in fellowship with your Savior is really truly more than you can bear. You just don't know it. Christians become very much accustomed to living without him. And they live just like a lost man most of the time. Balancing everything in their own mind of logic and hoping that they can figure it out and handle another day. And until trouble gets bad enough, they really don't regard him in their heart or in their thoughts. They don't think to pray, they don't think to read, they don't think to witness, they don't think to, instead they go about their day as if nothing else is going on but them. And they're so used to having no fellowship that they don't even understand it's greater than they can bear. You know, that's a sad, sad truth.
just for a moment, I want you to think, not about anybody else, I want you to think about you. I want you to think about just a few things right here, and then I'll be done. Didn't preach long tonight, I don't think. I want you to think about just a couple of things. Number one, I want you to think, have I brought a sacrifice I shouldn't have brought in exchange for one I should have brought? I want you to think, what should I have brought? And can I still bring it? Is God giving me a chance to still bring it? Oftentimes the answer to that is yes, if you have failed. You're still breathing. So oftentimes, yes, the answer is yes. You can still make a change. You can still choose to do the right thing. Next question. Are you going to choose sin? Or are you going to choose to do well? I can't choose for you. God's not going to make you. He still leaves it up to you. And lastly, would you be willing to recognize that you haven't been in fellowship with him? If you're in here this evening and you're lost, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you don't even know what it's like to be in fellowship with God. The Bible says that you are without hope and without God in this world. That's your description. You don't have God. Christian, when's the last time you had good fellowship with him? I hope you can say, it's been great all day today. But too many times, Christians wonder where they left him. You think about some of these men in the Bible, and they, they talk about going back to Bethel, going back to the land of their fathers, going back, and it's all to go ahead and get back to where God last spoke with them. Because they made a choice that they shouldn't have made. Cain's life ends in catastrophe. He's banished, he's exiled, he's sent away. He's truly without anybody else. You say, well, I don't understand. How can somebody walk away from God like that? How can somebody walk away from all these things? How is it that that can... I'll tell you how. Just one compromise. Just one. The choice to not do what God asked them to do is enough to slowly start breaking that fellowship with Him to slowly start separating and getting farther and farther. And the choice is made and then it becomes more than you can bear because God is nowhere near you. And the sad truth is most people don't even recognize it. Tonight the question comes, are you going to be like Cain? The odd descriptor of Cain is Cain who is of that wicked one. That's a rough epitaph. That's the, that's the statement about him in the New Testament. Cain, who was of that wicked one. Versus Abel. Who is written down in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the great men of faith. 
Which will you be tonight? Let's go ahead and stand. Perhaps you need to come talk with the Lord. We may have some folks down at the altar tonight. I don't know. Maybe you're in here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Tonight would be a great night. The Bible makes it plain that Jesus Christ will save to the uttermost all of them that will trust in Him. The Bible makes it extremely plain that anybody, whosoever will, let Him come. Take a drink of the water of life freely and we would gladly like to show you from the Bible how you can know your sins are forgiven forever. You can know you've got a home in heaven. That it's not about what you've brought Him and all the things that you possibly could do. But it's that Jesus Christ gave his life a ransom for many and paid the debt of all of your sins. And if you'd be willing to ask him to save you, he would save you. Christian, maybe you got some things you got to talk to him about because you've made some compromises in your life that you've made some choices, you've made some decisions, and you need to change direction before it ends in catastrophe. Cain's life is wrecked beyond recognition. doesn't have to be that way for you. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Get it fixed tonight. Lord, I do thank you for the night and thank you for being such a wonderful God to us, being so merciful and gracious to us, for being long-suffering and plenteous in mercies. Father, I pray if someone here tonight is unsaved, they'd call upon you tonight. Someone is saved, Lord, and they've been struggling with some things maybe you've asked them to do or some things you've asked them to give up or some things you've asked them to add on or some things that, Father, you're just speaking to them about. I pray they would do it and they'd improve their walk with you and they wouldn't compromise and they'd stand strong. Lord, once again, we pray you'd get the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.